Welcome one and all to I Got Lucky with King's Eyes, a show so popular it would win the popular vote and become president. A novel concept. I am a sipper of sprites, a lately liberal library lounger. But for now, I am your host, King's Eyes. Hope you've had a good day, some good food, and a bit of good luck while you're at it. The wonderful intro song you heard a clip of is brought to you by Wax. It's called Home is Where the Bar Is, off of his most recent album, B.A.A. That's the official anthem for the show, mind you. On today's show, I unpack a lot of things. I talk a little bit about how my week's been since my fiery rant on the Food Inc. documentary uh, about getting back into uh, Diamond Dallas Page Yoga, DDPY for short, and if you don't want a diamond cutter, that's what you're gonna call it as. Um, I talk about the US presidential election. I talk a little bit about the uh, the, the video platform that I haphazardly announced during my fiery rant, which is obviously Sigil Saga, more on that later in the episode. I talk about how the, all the Twitter pages have been upped a little, because they needed some freshening up some of them. Uh, I talk about Nintendo with a new Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity game coming out soon. I talk about Oit Tanek catching flack, Mickelson coming back to the WRC. I also talk about FTR versus Young Bucks for full gear. I talk about Jericho versus MJF for full gear. And a smandering of other things in between. So grab yourself a cold one or beverage of choice and have yourself a lovely Friday. Before we get really into the show this week, though, I want to mention a core sponsor, which obviously this week is Commissions by Schmurp. You can find it through www.kingseyes.life/commissions, on which you will find all the prices, all the brackets, and all the examples for all the most fantastic of graphic design you could possibly imagine. What Schmurp does is incredible from top to bottom, and I'm not saying that just you know, to throw hyperbole out there. He's done several bits and bobs of work for me and for various other content creators that are on the rise uh, with his work proudly representing them all over the interwebs. So I implore you, check that out. If you go to uh, kingsize.life/commissions, you'll see a smandering of examples. You'll find pre-made packages. You'll find various ways to contact Schmurp. You'll find a little bit of information on him. You'll also find a contact form so you can get in touch with him directly from the contact form on the page. Isn't that amazing? It's so amazing, I'm actually at a loss for words at it. And I put the website together. Imagine that. You could, it just, an extravagant, extravagant website. I don't think, and we'll get into hyperbole and President Tronald dump in an instant, but I don't think there has been a commissions page that is as beautiful as this in quite a while. So go check it out. If you disagree with me, leave me a one-star review on the podcast. I don't frankly care. But in the meantime, kingsize.life slash commissions. Work by Schmurp delivered to you in quality format. Check them out. Do it now. Now, into the show. Right, so how's my week been? Well, for one, I've calmed down a bit from the uh, fire, uh, what was it called? The Fury of Food Inc. I believe that was the episode. I, I wrote that in a blaze of just anger, the, the title for that episode, and various other things. If you couldn't notice, you probably didn't listen to it, but that was one of the more, the more passionate rants I have ever conducted on anything. And to think that it would be on something like food, honestly. It's like, I have... So many other things that I could have ranted about, but quite frankly, at the time, having seen not only how my food is treated, um, how it's distributed, uh, and just generally the conduct of the food industry, I, it was, mm, it just felt like it was um, at, it was appropriate for that moment in time. 
Um, so what have I done since then? Uh, I've been I've been swallowing and making a lot of this noise because you wouldn't know this because I keep taking them out of the edits, but that is the most annoying sound I know. So if you notice that there are jump cuts here and there in the episodes, it's mainly because I've done some of this. Which, it's just the most frustrating thing, and I, I'm sorry if that takes away from the experience for you, but that's my preference, and I make these episodes, so that's that'll be it on that, actually. That, that wasn't a problem that was even presented to you, but even still. Uh, what else has been going on this week? You know what else has been going on this week? I got, uh, I've been getting more into, or back into, I should say, to the DDPY, which is uh, Diamond Dallas Page uh, Yoga is the full name of it. I'm sure he will come and give me a diamond cutter for having said that out loud. And this isn't an endorsed uh, mention, uh, but that is a program that has really done some, uh, done a lot of uh, good for me. Uh, particularly, I would say, since I got the book back in March of last year, uh, his new one, which is po called Positively Unstoppable, The Art of Owning It. Um, again, this isn't endorsed. I just, I fully endorse uh, checking that out. Um, it does a lot of uh, telling you how to get to whatever the fuck you want. And it also is actually a, a simple, like, walkthrough of how the program he offers goes. Uh, which should also actually entice you into getting the, um, getting the program for yourself. You can get it actually pretty dirt cheap, I found, through the app. Which, what's more convenient than an app? You're on your phone about 15 hours a day anyway. So why not get that app and spend about 40 minutes or so uh, doing exercise? Just from the side of your bed. That's how I've been doing it. I have a yoga mat currently laying out here with a towel on it. Uh, and I've, uh, the last four workouts I've done, I did two strength builders. I did one red hot core and I did a fat burner. Now, the red hot core one is like 15 minutes-ish. So that one's fine. I do that one quite frequently. Then you have the fat burner, which is a bit more arduous, but it really gets your heart pumping, and it's amazing. Uh, can you tell? It's still not endorsed, but can you tell that I'm a bit passionate about it too? Uh, the worst one that I've conducted so far, though, in the year or so that I've been doing this program to and from, is the uh, Strength Builder one, which is about 41 minutes of just grueling stretches and bends that are so helpful. I can tell you honestly... Dead honestly, I was about 87 kilos on the scales last week. Now I'm dipping like right below 84 off of having done that. That's three kilos in a week, folks. That along with, you know, just eating sensible like you should be doing anyway. Cooking the food from home and really just getting by it. I've, I thought about this when I came back from the store earlier, actually. As I'm, as I'm recording this, this episode's about to go out in three hours. But I thought about this about an hour ago when I was walking back from the store because for the first time and I can't tell you how long I actually like I counted out how much I would be spending at the store that day uh, I was getting very simple things because I'm making pizza after I've recorded this I'm making a, a full-on pizza you might find that on my Instagram actually because I do a lot of just showing what I cook now on my Instagram just like the Instagram story uh, and the occasional picture of it but anyway I thought about okay so now that I've counted it out just spontaneously, okay, what well, can I use that number for? I came to, because what I got was uh, some fresh herbs. I got some flour. I got some red onion. I got some garlic. Uh, I got some sausage, and I got a bottle of red wine. That came to about 16 pounds, which 
all in all, that could, like, with the stuff I had from before, I can feed my household off of that. Um, then on the flip side, I thought, okay, well, how would this uh, go up against a, a, say, a takeaway? And I thought about just the, the, the totality of cost that you uh, incur when you go for a takeaway as opposed to this um, this stuff that I do with like cooking from home and all that stuff. And I think what I, the conclusion I just came to with, I'm just going to rapid fire throw it off the top of my head here, is you ultimately end up spending more uh, when you do the takeaway than you do with making the food from home. And I use the term spending loosely because it's not just in terms of the economic portion of it. It's also the time part. So say with the pizza thing tonight. Okay, that's going to set me back about an hour because I got to set the dough, then I got to let it rest, and then I got to like uh, flatten it out and make it the, the good pizza shape, and then I got to put all the, the sauce and the sausage and all this other stuff on it. And then it's got about 12, 13 minutes in the oven, and there's my meal. But even with that, I have more control uh, of what exactly has gone into my body, and therefore it's easier for me to calculate if I want to be counting calories for my exercise. Oh, well, I ate and I consumed about this much today. That would mean that more than likely uh, I can get it off if I do a, a 20 or 30 minute workout at, at this intensity. Meanwhile, with the takeaway portion of this, Okay, so you have a set amount that it costs per uh, takeaway meal. You're not just feeding yourself typically. And also, a lot of these takeaway chains uh, and restaurants, they have obviously minimum amounts uh, to for them to even want to send it out. And then you could have the additional fee for uh, delivery and all this stuff. But then you also have the added thing of, okay, what exactly goes into that meal? You might see it on like the Just Eat app or things of the sort, but then... It would be substantially more because they are mass producing so much of this food. You're cooking it in the same grease that you cooked the kebab earlier. That's where your burger and your fish is going because they don't give a fuck. They don't have to. They're just sending you shit because you're lazy. But then ultimately, if you don't then calculate out, okay, so this cost me about three pounds less than what it would if I would have cooked it from home and I wouldn't have had the red wine for myself. Um, I'm still now set back with the fact that I have to uh, do more exercise to burn this shit off after. Um, and in the meantime, if I don't do that, I'll just keep expanding and expanding until I'm very egregiously uncomfortable with myself and I have spent effectively more time um, or more money and less time um, on the, the takeaways and stuff. But now, all of a sudden... You know, when I, I get a, I get gas from my car, obviously that's, uh, you know, it consumes more because the car carries a heavier load per head because I've been feeding this stuff to my family also. Uh, there is um, a lot more consumption of energy when I'm going for something as simple as a walk because obviously I weigh a lot more now, so there's a lot more for my, mus for my muscles and my bones to carry, which consumes more energy, so I need to order more. Ultimately... The big grand takeaway here, puns intended, is it's so much wiser to spend them 30-40 minutes actually cooking a good meal, uh, going to the grocery store, looking at how much you actually spend on food, because ultimately you don't spend so much on the actual ingredients. You don't really spend that much time cooking, and 
you have a meal that not only you can be proud to present to whoever you are also serving it to, if it's not just yourself, but even then, treat yourself because you deserve as much. You spend so much less both money and time doing that than all the ramifications and the economics that goes into you, like, being lazy and not not cooking for yourself. I'm not saying this to, like, do an indictment on everybody, but I'm saying, just as a general... I've come to find that's a that's a good a better thought. Uh, I'm I'm still a sucker for a takeaway every so often, but obviously with the exercise and stuff, I, I can tell when I've had one because I put about a kilo more of grease in my body than I would have done usually. So I don't know. That was a that was a bit of filler for how the the week has been. Uh, kind of reflecting on what I saw in the food ink thing, but also just. Trying to be a student and trying to be a bit wise about my money. Because uh, obviously Christmas is coming up, so I have another embursement uh, coming. Um, but also just in general trying to, you know, trying to save and trying to be a bit wiser when it comes to both money and health. And just just the, the general uh, simple basics of life, if you will, when you're this age and beyond. That was a lot of hooting, tooting, and hollering about my week. But how's uh, the world done this week? The government's corrupt. I know it. What the fuck you want me to do? Go overthrow it. So the world's gone to shit this week, um, as it usually does. I mean, I can't tell you. Uh, well, we're still not out of 2020 yet, and it's not like 2021 is going to run around and all of a sudden, magically, uh, the world's going to be a better place. We will, hopefully, uh, quite quickly into that year, we'll be getting a vaccine and we'll be getting rid of this COVID thing so that things can return roughly to normal about a year after it went to shit. But uh, that's, uh, that, you know, that's wishful thinking at this point, I would argue. Um, but obviously a, a big, big news story when it comes to that. And I, I've prefaced this previously on the podcast that I am not big on uh, doing politics for the show. But sadly, uh, well, sadly, and a little bit to and from on this, um, we're coming up on a pretty historic day this next week. Uh, I believe it is on the Thursday or Wednesday of next week. And it's the election, obviously for the U.S. presidents uh, going from 2020 to 2024. Now, I, I want to talk about this just a little bit. And my, my main and my big thing is I want to implore as many Americans as listen to this show and listen to other things, other offerings on the network or otherwise, uh, get in touch with this uh, medium that we produce. I implore, please do go out of your way to vote. Make a plan for how and go vote. Um, I won't be telling you whether to vote one way or the other. I hope common sense will prevail. That is all I'll say on that part of it. But I encourage you to vote because you have the options now. Uh, you've seen what four years, uh, what the four previous years have done and the, uh, ha the developments as a result of that. And the 200,000 plus people that have passed away because of government's lack of... I'm, I'm saying how I wouldn't tell you to vote one way or the other, but clearly I'm leaning more towards the Democratic candidate, and that is Joe Biden. Um, so I'll keep leaning into that. Quite frankly, fuck you, 
Tronal Dump. Uh, you are a, a useless, useless human being and a, an even more useless president. Uh, there is no particular reason anyone with common sense in their head would be voting for you. And the polls show as much that um, Joe Biden is leading in the polls by effectively a little more than double the numbers that Trump is polling. Uh, some uh, poll numbers suggest that Trump is trailing in a couple of the states. But even with that, this and this is important here, the polls don't reveal anything. Uh, no later than December of last year was this revealed that the polls don't mean anything because there it, the poll numbers showed that Labour in the UK, I'm using this example, Labour in the UK was polling ahead of the Tories. Ultimately, the Tories still won because we love being conservative and we love being old and we love being stupid just as a general premise of things. You're kind of fumbling into the same premise here with what you see between Biden and you see between Trump, where, I, I, I'm sorry, um, I didn't mean to say Trump. I clearly meant to say Dump. That's the accurate way to say his name. I'm very much, if you can't see a clear-cut winner ahead of time uh, between those two candidates, uh, and, and throw whatever conspiracy theories you want at me as relates to Biden. Uh, good luck finding a valid source that will tell you to, like, that can back up your conspiracy theory. Um, beyond, obviously, Alex Jones, which has been banned off the internet because he speaks bullshit with his fabulous voice. Shout out to Philip DeFranco for his parodies of that. I desperately, desperately hope uh, that come election day, the... As has been stated in the Biden campaign many a time, I hope that the character of the nation reveals itself and it reveals itself to actually have common sense because you had two candidates in the 2016 election where one, you knew from the get-go that this person more than likely was going to be awful, but you gave him the benefit of the doubt and you voted for him thinking that he was going to live up to all these various promises that he's made. I saw numbers earlier how every single president prior to Trump, Republican, Democrat, or otherwise, has created jobs, whereas Trump has lost jobs as the first president in history. He has lost about 4 million jobs, apparently, according to the stats, which I can't say that I saw had been fact-checked, uh, had been fact-checked, had been fact-checked. But even with that, I think it's uh, important to note that's just one thing that's a problem. Um, there isn't a, a presidential bone in the guy's body. Quite frankly, I don't think there's a cognitive thought in his body. Uh, when something like he has had to take a cognitive test, uh, he claims other people have dementia. It's like, it's like he is a walking, talking reality show. And sadly, that ended up in the most powerful political seat in the world. And it's not benefited anyone except his cronies and his friends that also... Um, that make a, a shit ton more money than he ever does, apparently, according to his um, his tax, retur tax returns and things. 
So it should be a pretty clear-cut choice, but then you have the morons, the red hatters of the world, with their stupid fucking slogan at the front, and with their 50 shotguns that are unlicensed and un unchecked and all this other stuff, and slight mental disabilities, as is proven by the fact they voted Trump one of these years. It should be... It shouldn't be that America is stereotyped by the extremes and the wrongs and uh, the, the just backward hillbilly and the bad of things. It shouldn't be that you're stereotyped by that because there is common sense and there's a lot of technological advancement, there's a lot of intelligence, there's a lot of good to come out of America as well. But it shines through so faintly in comparison to the school shootings, the terrorism, the various problems with trying to uh, not ban guns outright, but get more things in place to check people before they get guns. Uh, uh, with the just systemic racism that I have neglected to mention so far, but obviously we still stand with Black Lives Matter. That is, uh, it's a key point even if I don't mention it in the beginning, but we still do. Uh, there is, uh, a lack, <laughs> just, oh, there's a lot of problems to unpack with America. Not going to lie about that. But there is also, uh, a lot of good that can come from it. But you need to show character, and how you do that is, in this occasion, it is to vote. Desperately, you need to vote, and you need to vote for, it's not a vote against dump, it's a vote for Biden. Because Biden does believe in the science, he does. He was there for eight years with Obama and took all the hard choices that actually gave Dave Dump the economy that he had no hand in making, but that he inherited. That came out of a recession, and all of a sudden it was in positive numbers. The ball had slowed. They all of a sudden they started seeing results of the work that eight years of a Democratic leader had done. One. Part of that was Joe Biden. Who's to say he can't do that again, even if it's with Kamala Harris, which obviously that is also an excellent choice for a VP when you have a former district attorney to serve with you there. And senators in the White House have done very well for themselves. Thank you. Uh, and Kamala Harris is obviously she, uh, with her political history, as far as I know it, she's going to make a fantastic, fantastic vice president, along with Biden, who has White House experience. He has been a public servant his entire life. It shouldn't be difficult to see who you should pick over this fucking celebrity buffoon that has nothing to do with politics. He's there. I think there's an epic rap battle in which uh, Hillary Clinton says, you just think the desk is shiny. Quite accurate. I think th that's that's a problem that I, I saw um, right back at the beginning of the the Obama administration, actually was how hard Trump uh, was uh, harping on the birth certificate thing and the fact that he wasn't even American. The, th the reason, and I'm going to argue this, the reason that Trump even got into the presidential, um, you know, got into wanting to be president or even to get nominated was because he wanted to take the job from Obama. The second that he got it, it was just, oh, fuck, what do I do with this? Because he has done no good, not no good at all like you could say oh, there was this fucking awful video a little while ago where uh, some guy was being interviewed on the street without a mask moron 
and his MAGA hat on, as far as I recall, who said that he did about four or five times better now that Trump was president than Obama ever did. And then the interviewer asked him, okay, so what do you do for a profession? Oh, I work in debt relief. You fucking work in debt relief and you're doing better under Trump than you do under Obama. That's not necessarily a good thing. Do you understand that? For you, on a selfish and an individual level, sure, that's fucking impeccable. But that is kind of telling for the rest of your country, isn't it? When you are doing better because more people are coming to you requesting debt relief because more people are fucked now than they have ever been. Quite frankly, more people are dying frequently. I, I desperately want the number to see how many people has died under the administrations from Reagan upward. All the modern history presidents, how many have actually died from war, civil casualties, or otherwise that is a direct result of a president's decision? Because I think Trump at this point will rank quite high up with the 200 and, like 220,000 plus dead Americans. But I didn't want to cause a panic. I, I, was, I did, didn't want to cause a panic. Well, the survivors definitely would have um, preferred a panic or a, at the very least some sort of action that would have helped them in any sort of way, which that has not been provided. You got the virus yourself and you were off it again three days after with breathing problems because you got all the best medical help in the world. That's not to say like... That's something that's available to the president. It's not available to just anybody. Uh, Jesus. So, while I did emphasize um, quite openly in the beginning that I wouldn't tell you to vote one way or the other, I'm definitely now saying, please, if you are eligible to vote, go vote for one. Secondly, vote with your common sense. Don't vote because historically your family has voted one way or another. Vote with common sense. Don't vote because you've been told by someone else that you have to vote this way. Vote with common sense. It should be common sense that puts forward the best president that you can get out of this. No one is saying that either candidate is flawless. One absolutely has more flaws than the other, but even still, there is so much positive that can come out of America voting correctly during this election. I implore desperately, if there are American listeners here that are of legal age to go vote, please do go vote. Or else uh, I, I can imagine there's another Dusty Rhodes promo coming about hard times. And let's... Let's not have that. Let's see America not be a laughingstock anymore. The United Kingdom can have that position on its own with Boris Johnson at the helm. Please, look to the future. Don't look at things that have possibly worked in the past. Listen to science and look for things that will improve your standing, that'll improve the world. That's all I have to say about that matter this week. Right. So in my little screaming match with myself last week... Uh, I did make mention of the uh, mock streaming service that was initially pitched as Sigil Bravo. How that had abruptly changed name. Um, I, I, let me explain that a little bit more. So obviously, in the ecosystem that I'm building for this brand, Sigil Arts, uh, it came to be quite sensical that Norse and like Norse mythology themes uh, would be prevalent. 
uh, in terms of what things are named and whatnot. The sigil thing will remain because it's a fantastic little acronym that I've made. It's, I think I've had that in my back pocket for like eight years before it was launched to anything. So what um, what uh, ado what occurred to me was well maybe Bravo is not the best name. So I was always kind of skeptical of that name, which is why I also put out the tweet that it's a tentative name. Um, and then, for the first time since Christmas, I opened this book that I got from, say, Invader for Christmas, which is uh, from Horrible Histories, which is a, a, a quite funny show, actually, about history, uh, made by the um, Horrible Histories troupe in the UK. It was made for... I don't even remember what the network was. It was a, a, B, a BBC affiliate of some sort. It's a great little show. I think you can find it on... Netflix, if I'm not too mistaken. I'd I'd encourage you to go check it out because it's kind of fun. But they've also they made a book series. He obviously felt that this book right here was apropos to me because obviously I come from Scandinavia. I come from Norway, where Vikings and such are a prevalent part of our history. And so I flipped through a couple pages of that because obviously I found the show to be fun, so I had interest in opening the book, uh, finally once again. And then obviously I stumbled across the word saga, and I just thought, why you Stupid son of a bitch, why isn't that the name of the streaming service? So I pitched that in uh, on the intranet that we have, uh, not internet, intranet, that we have for Sigil Arts. Mentioned that, and I don't think it took much more than three hours, and the lovely Schmurp, who has been mentioned, bless him, he came back to me, and he he said, I, I couldn't stop myself when you said the Sigil saga thing. And he came back to me with this just beautiful, beautiful branding and all the sorts of variations that could work and like how everything would fit together on the website and all this stuff. And I was just like, I love working with Schmurp. That some bitch just realized, just, he just put it in stone exactly what this thing is going to be. And it was going to be awesome. Which is why when you scroll down kingseyes.life now, you have the logo. I said Sigil Saga. It's also how the entire network now is being branded. It's it's in development still, and we're working on filling the columns and obviously putting in original content as it comes. But in the meantime, I want to thank Schmurp personally for that because it was such a great initiative from him to something that contributes ultimately to the brand ecosystem. And that can that could who knows? It could end up being its own sort of platform someday somehow, and that would be awesome. So that is a that is a big big development that's been going on. Uh, there is also um, there's routine work going into King's Styles, the clothing, and the whole work around that. It's been it's been picking up a little bit of attention here and there. I know Storm Connect's done well with some of their sales recently, and obviously with the new cut to sew products that we've been putting out, such as the new Sigil Arts jackets, which are just, oh, they're beautiful. Like, honestly, I couldn't believe how cool they came out, like, in the look of them. Particularly the white one, which surprises me, because I'm usually a sucker for a black jacket, but I clearly, I love that white jacket on this one. Uh, so there is that, um, with obviously how that whole shop functions now. We're doing more in terms of the navigation and trying to make it easy for people to find things. Um... That is a long-term development. There's a lot of that going on with the website currently. But as it comes, I'll obviously let you know through this show. And obviously, also, I don't think it's even been mentioned on this show. 
But obviously, there's a bonus show now. For I Got Lucky with King's Eyes. And it's called I'll Drink to That. Presented by I Got Lucky. That's not the full name. You can, you can just refer to it as I'll Drink to That. I'll accept that. Uh, it's a new thing that'll be on the, uh, the, the Twitch channel for Sigil Arts. Uh, which is a live show. It's on video. It'll be recorded through my phone, though, just to be fair. Um, where I sit down, I I read comments, or I discuss with whoever is uh, there with me at the time, and we try and have a good time for an hour or two. That's strictly a live show. That will not be uh, any particular, like, podcast show or anything like that just yet. If and when it does, I'll absolutely let you know. Uh, so all that's been going down. Then... We get to another interesting bit now, and it is uh, the uh, the Twitters. Our Twitters, the collective lot of them, went down uh, two days ago. All of them, and I... The, the only reason I was given was that it was for security reasons, which was kind of thin, so I've sent a request to Twitter for them to help me fix and rectify so that I don't have to reset all the Twitters and do all the stuff all over again, because that is a pain in the ass. Uh, But in the meantime, I've uh, ramped up security on all the accounts. Uh, I've also gone in and done changes and added descriptions and banners and done a lot of fancy work to each and every one of the Twitters uh, related to the show. There's also now actually an official uh, original content from Sigil Arts list on Twitter that you can follow. And with that, you'll find all the most recent um, tweets and comments and such that have been made by any given account from the shows. So it's effectively, it's its own written feed for whatever's coming up on the network, which is how we intend to use it also, by the way. Okay, let me just, I think I've lost a bit track where I'm at. Let me just look. Okay, so then with that, we've uh, spoken a little bit about my week. Uh, We've spoken a bit about how things are going out and about in the world. We've spoken a bit about the website. So now it's time we we jump uh, jump the shark into uh, some of this, uh, my interests, shall we? So, uh, someone that has been definitely jumping uh, up and on to the promotional side of things recently, that would be Nintendo, wouldn't it? Yeah, so Nintendo, they've gone ahead, they've gone right ahead, and they have started really putting out a lot of stuff as relates to the Hyrule Warriors game that is coming out in less than a month at this point, I believe. Yeah, they actually branded it, or promoted even, that it's about a month away. And that was a week ago, I think. And uh, they've also been putting out little snippets here and there quite frequently on YouTube for the show. There's even now, they uh, had a direct mini just the other day. And they announced a demo. I have yet to touch the demo. I really kind of want to like download the demo and have a little look at what exactly I'm getting into. Because it's becoming more and more abundantly clear to me that this particular game is going to be very, very interesting. And it's going to have so much of the backstory that you, I, I feel we lost out on in Breath of the Wild. We just got little snippets and tids and bits of it in Breath of the Wild, but now with Age of Calamity, you are getting, we're getting so much more of that backstory that's been written about in this very book here. 
That's the sound when you knock on the Creating a Champion book. In there, it has the entire story from top to bottom of what exactly it was that occurred them hundred years ago. But now we get to play it. And that has me so stoked. I'm really, really looking forward to that game. Again, it won't be a first day purchase. This is a game that's available for posterity, I would imagine. So it'll probably be a thing that I'll put in on my Christmas list, more than likely. And I look very much forward to playing it because it looks to be a stellar game. Even if obviously I've played the, the Warriors style before, but it looks like they've put so much more effort into it now with like adding perfect dodge and all these various abilities. It doesn't look like, it looks like it's actually set in the world of Breath of the Wild good and proper. Like you'll recognize landmarks and you'll recognize scenery and the characters look exactly like they did in Breath of the Wild. So needless to say, I'm very much looking forward to that because there is so much lore and things that I can then take and we can make, we can spin into something for uh, one of our other shows, which rarely gets mentioned. It's kind of like uh, Jesus Christ. He is uh, <laughs> often mentioned, but rarely seen. <laughs> yeah, we have a show. It's called Melodies of Mystery. It's doing a, a lot of work as relates to the, um, uh, you know, deep-seated lore and history and things and bits and bobs from various games, trying to draw, like, historical comparisons, trying to tie in little... Uh, a red line from start to finish with games. It's got a lot of stuff going for it. Um, even if the episodes take a while to produce. If you listen to the first one, which was on the elusive Sonite tribe, you will know that the episode came out excellent. But it also took a year from announcing until it came out. But the show's been doing good even with just that one episode. And the other one is in production, folks. We'll get around to that. But be, uh, being headfirst into doing uh, a bachelor's degree, having studies to do, having a, uh, having a glitter that needs feeding and that needs attention, there's not all, uh, there's not all that many hours left in the day for me after. Uh, along with obviously all the work I do for the website, but obviously studies come first. Studies come first. So that's that. Now let's talk uh, quickly about some uh, stories that I've uh, seen from the world of rallying. Right, so the first one, and this kind of breaking news, I don't think it's been out for more than a couple hours, but the uh, Ipris rally that was new to the calendar this year uh, has been cancelled, sadly, because numbers are going up in the country where the event was to be held, uh, which is quite sad because now it's been a while since there was a WRC event, and this one was supposed to be in late November, and now that one's been cancelled, uh, which gives it an... Uh, an enormous gap until the next event and also uh, makes it all the less likely that anybody can catch up to Elvin Evans uh, who's currently leading the championship uh, I don't have those numbers in front of me currently but I know he leads by a, a decent enough margin that so long as he doesn't retire during the Monza rally or let me just bring up this stuff just so I can see yeah it's it's just the Sardinia rally, not the Sardinia, the uh, Monza rally left, which to my knowledge is essentially they're just gonna chill at Monza for a day or two as almost like a, a, a final lap of some sort. 
Which, you know, more power to them if that's what they want to go about. But uh, if we look at the numbers really quickly, then for the, the standings for WRC currently, Elvin Evans is actually leading the championship by about 14 points. Yeah, he's about 14 points ahead of Sebastian Ogier. Uh, who then further is 10 points ahead of Thierry Neuville. And with one rally to go, that is going to be on a racetrack, more than likely, and not really go out and about in the forest and stuff. I think it's kind of safe to say. I'd be very surprised otherwise, to be perfectly honest. I'd be very surprised if we don't have our very first British World Rally Champion in I can't tell you how many years. And I'm just realizing this as I'm recording. I had some other topics to mention here but I think that's the first world rally champion from Britain since Richard Burns if I'm not too mistaken yeah it must have been because you had Marcus Gronholm then you had Peter Solberg you had Sebastian Loeb for a, a x amount of years then you had uh Sebastian Ogier for x amount of years then you had Oitanek last year and now this year apparently is going to be Elvin Evans who is in his first year with Toyota after having raced religiously for Ford, his father still owns a Ford dealership down in Wales that they've, you know, has fed his family. And even before that, uh, what's this? I don't remember his name exactly. I just remember that, that Elvin's father also competed, and he then competed primarily with, you guessed it, Fords. So that's a, that's a good, a cool prospect. Uh, that at the very least, in such a fucked year as this has been, uh, on every which level, uh, that we could actually get a, a milestone that has rarely been celebrated. Hasn't been celebrated then since, I would say, 2000 and... Yeah, 2000 or 2001. I gotta see. Richard Burns, world rally champion. What year was it? Yeah, it was 2001 that he won the, the World Rally Championship. So, yeah. That is the last British World Rally Champion. Until, apparently, uh, come December, when the chances are that it'll be Elvin Evans that takes it home. And then... What else had I mentioned about this? Uh, yeah, I, I saw an opinion on dirtfish.com here the other day. Dirtfish, by the way, is, an, is a fantastic source for anything to do with Rally, and that's what they promote themselves with, too. Uh, they are a title sponsor of uh, the current reigning uh, defending world champion, uh, Oitanek, uh, which uh, they put out an opinion uh, about 10 days ago, which reads, why less often means more with Tanek. Uh, his stage end attitude has been questioned since he won the WRC title, but Tanek's short answers can be revealing. It is indeed nice to be nice, but at, as Oit Tanek would pon point out, it's not in his contract. Uh, I will encourage you to read this piece by yourself. You'll find it in the opinion section on darkfish.com. Uh, I think a problem that not, all, not everybody realizes with... Uh, with maybe, if you, if you want to pick out particularly Oitanek, that's fine, but you also have cases previously from guys like Yari Mati Latvala, you have cases like, uh, I know Peter Solberg wasn't the, the happiest guy at times when he was in Subaru in 2006-07, uh, and a little bit in 8. 
not the happiest uh, chappy to be talking to because obviously the car just had gone in completely the wrong direction and he wasn't happy with what he was producing. But even with that, uh, I realize this, that the, the drivers here, they're going about 200 kilometers an hour through th narrow forest roads that any slight wrong turn could kill you. No matter how much security you have in the car, any wrong turn, any like, oh, I pressed the, the accelerator a bit harder than I should have, I didn't press the brake hard enough, you could kill someone. That's the fact of it. Like, no matter how much security and how many regulations you put in, you could kill someone. Therefore, pulse will be very, very high as you are still trying to make it the fastest you can from A to B. And then not 15 seconds after you've completed the stage, you are then, sh you have a mic shoved in your face where all the adrenaline has to go somewhere. And whether you want it to or not, you'll be bluntly honest there. No amount of PR uh, like lecturing from the team prior to that interview is going to school you on trying to cope with adrenaline and trying to answer sensibly and honestly it just shows character it shows a lot of character if you manage to to sit quietly and be professional in that if you've done something wrong if something happened in the stage that you can't explain anger is the first thing that'll flare up because you need things to work in your favor and for conditions to be well for the competitor in front of you to not kick up too much dust even if they can't be faulted for that um I remember an instance, and in, I think it was 2013 or 2012, where Chris Meek, during, oh no, hang on, was it 2000? It might have been 2011. No, he wasn't in the he wasn't in that team then. I think it was 2013, 2014, somewhere, where Chris Meek, uh, at the end of a stage, that this this sounds like madness because it is. They were racing at nighttime with fog all over the place couldn't see a meter between the cars and i believe it was also on a gravel stage which means that it'll also kick up a lot of dust because the air like in some parts of the world the air is drier just generally and in this particular occasion i think he had either won or gotten fifth on that stage but he jumped out of the car and he shouted and he cursed and he was just so fucking pissed at the fact that the organizer had put this stage, it's this dangerous goddamn stage. There's spectators all over the place. The drivers can't see where they're going on gravel roads where the grip is low. Things can happen. You can't see a meter in front of you because of either fog or dust. It's a nightmare scenario. And then to expect a driver who has just risked their life for points, these non-existent things that are going to ultimately at the end of the season prove that you are this much better than another driver, it becomes just nothing because you've risked your life for however long the stage was and it could have been avoided. But then you are expected to answer questions. Uh, in these high octane and high adrenaline situations. And I think, respectfully, I, I understand why that's convenient, because you have organized points at A and B anyway. But it would have been, at times, I think, better to avoid some of the interviews in favor of having maybe a, a, a more frequent media zone or something of the sort uh just to kind of 
you know, let let the drivers cool off a little bit more than 15 seconds before they had the mic shoved in their face. And I believe that is a problem that uh, Oit has voiced before, that you don't exactly know what to say as you are, you know, your pulse is uh, just teetering underneath 200 and you're expected to answer formally and sensibly to these questions that you're being asked. I I get the premise and I, I don't see why he would catch any flack or problems for that. Even with the world title, this it's it's an odd, uh, almost paradoxical situation that you are facing the drivers with of 10 seconds after adrenaline has been at its highest, you have to be cool, calm, and collected and answer questions and plug sponsors and things. Right. Uh, also, an honorable mention to the fact that apparently Andreas Mikkelsen is back uh, to racing some Skoda with the uh, the Fabia R5 for the final couple rounds of WRC. Obviously, as mentioned, Ipris is cancelled, so it would just be the Monza Rally. But even with that, it's good to see a, a, a Norwegian competing at the top level of the WRC. There was some talk, uh, I did mention Skoda, but apparently it was some talk that he might get into the Citroen. Uh, for the final round, even if his contract now with Pirelli has apparently uh, concluded, wouldn't say expired because if it expired, that would mean that they didn't want him anymore and they just didn't renew him. But I think it was just their testing program had concluded and homologation processes and stuff had to begin. But it's good to see that he has an in to the WRC because that's that is a world champion in the making too. He just needs to. To find a right seat, find his footing, and get a car that he can work with. I sure hope that to be the case for Andreas Mikkelsen. Good luck to you. Right. So far, so good. Jesus. <clears throat> we have some interesting tidbits to talk about in the world of the wrestlers also. So how about we jump in? <laughs> So a couple notable stories uh, that I want to mention from the world of um, anything besides the bigger one or the biggest one is, for one, we have a new NWA World's Women's Champion in Serena Deeb, who beat uh, Thunder Rosa here the other day. I want to say congratulations to Serena. You are holding on to a, a, a pretty significant piece of history. Uh, and you are now carrying part of a lineage that you should be very, very proud of. So congratulations very much on the accomplishment that you performed there. And I hope to see... Uh, I, I hope that your uh, competitors also see the value in the title that you now strap around your waist or over your shoulder. I truly do. Um, but that also goes into... She has actually even... I think she's defended it on AEW already. Uh, but AEW is what we're getting into. Not so much on them, but uh, much more on something that I want desperately to be the main event of the upcoming show, Full Gear, which is FTR versus the Young Bucks. And my pitch for this isn't so much like, oh, put, oh, they're the EVPs, they can put themselves in that position anyway. But no, this is a, a match that genuinely has... Uh, piqued interest and sparked, uh, you know, fascination with fans for years already when it wasn't 
logical or feasible in any way that this match would happen. It still had ground swirl because you had um, the guys FTR, formerly known as Revival. Um, I know both the names. It's Dash... Uh, no, it's, it's Cash Wilder and it's Dax Harwood. No, hang on. <laughs> I fucked up on that. So you have Cash Wheeler and you have Dax Harwood, which is FTR. Uh, been said to be very much a throwback team. They appreciate a lot of the stuff that the, went on in Mid-South and the, the promotions of the sort back in the 70s and 80s. Primarily, I would say the 80s, I'm imagining, uh, with the Jim Crockett Promotions era of things. They're very much uh, almost a, a mirror image of that, or a tribute to that, if you will. And have been claimed to be the best tag team in the world as a result by hailed historians and uh, loudmouths and speakers of the sort of uh, Jim Cornettes and various others. Which, all credit to them, they're a fantastic, fantastic team. I'm not taking anything away from that. And quite frankly, they're my favorite tag team out of anything too, because they are a team that I can take seriously. They are a team that I can expect to perform from, like, from any given position on the card, but particularly now with the World Championship, uh, World Tag Team Championship, that is, uh, and with Tully Blanchard in the corner, they've done well. I'd say they've been doing very well. But now, finally, we're in a position where you'll get the Young Bucks uh, in the ring with them. The Young Bucks have been touted many a time also to be the greatest tag team in the world uh, because they also they bring more a spirit of the new rather than what FTR does, where it's uh, very much the roots of good pro wrestling. So they are a clash of styles. They're a clash of old and new. They're a clash of serious uh, against not so serious. They are two very different worlds that are going to collide in the world of wrestling at full year. And my campaign then that I, I put out on Twitter, I'm not expecting it to have a groundswell, but I do expect this to actually be what ultimately happens at full year, is that FTR versus Young Bucks main event full year. Obviously, you want to put your world heavyweight champion, or in this case, the AEW world's champion, John Moxley, in the main event. It's a spot he has earned as the singles competitor. But what is a, a big, big thing here is you have... Uh, uh, you've already seen the match, effectively, between Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. You've seen that match before. Now it's getting a pay-per-view status. And they've been very good about the World Championship always tail-ending the show, or book-ending the show on the far end. But this time, they've, they've been advocating how they want the tag team division, division to be highlighted, how they want it to be upfront and equal in stature to their singles division. So why not then put that, that you know, put the statement out there, tag team wrestling can main event the pay-per-view in 2020. And with no less than one of very, very few matches that are highly anticipated in the business also. A another match uh, on this card for Full Gear that is very, very anticipated, and I look very much forward to seeing what comes of that. I also, I'm not going to speculate on the results of FTR and Young Bucks. I have my ideas about what it is with the whole stipulation they added of not being able to challenge after, but I won't speculate on the results. I'm looking forward to seeing a good competition and going into it with no cynical ideas of, oh, this is what the result's going to be. Hell no. I'm not going to do that. I want to enjoy my pro wrestling. That's how it's going to work. 
Then, the next, a very interesting match. Uh, I can't, I can't go without a mention of Cody, but that's not the match this is. Um, shout out to Cody, TNT champion. Fucking love the guy. And he's gotten bigger. Shit. This suit made it all deceptive. But the match in question here is with Cody's former protege. And the GOAT. Greatest of all time. Chris Jericho versus MJF. It's official for Full Gear. Where if MJF can beat or can win on this occasion over Chris Jericho, he'll be able to join the inner circle. Now, as I think was a bit heavily emphasized in this segment that they had on Wednesday on Dynamite, MJF will do anything to win. Uh, in what is essentially, it's a first singles match, it's a wrestling match, there's no stipulations to it beyond the caveat that MJF can join them after. And he kept harping on how he will do anything for the opportunity to join the inner circle, for anything to win, which isn't beyond what MJF would harp anyway, because he, he has stated many a time, and he's good about this, he wants the, um, he wants to win. With the winner's purse, and with that is why you should be in the business. It's a rare, a very great mentality, and a rare mentality to have these days. That all you want to go for is the W, by whatever means necessary. And he's gotten every W, except the one over Moxley. By hook or crook, which is the interesting one. Um, but he's going up against Jericho, who's also a bit of a hook and crooker himself. You, you thought I was about to say he was a hooker and crooker. I tried that. It didn't work out. Uh, so it's not like Jericho won't see it coming. But also, it's one of, one of the occasions where Jericho really can make MJF in many a sense. Because MJF is far from unproven. He's a fantastic worker on just about every nuance of what he does. But what should have been his highlight match against Cody at Revolution, it didn't meet expectations like it should have. You had like you had such a clear cut. This is the guy you want to win. You have this guy that you, there was no more despised human being, I would imagine, on that card than MJF on that particular night, and deservedly so because the build for that match was spectacular. But it fell kind of flat. Like, just on account that that was the one match that Cody has had against MJF, there was no resolution for him on it. He just then jumped immediately to Lance Archer the next night. But in this case, MJF is brushing up against one of the greatest of all time. A dude that's beat The Rock and Stone Cold in the same night. A guy that was the very first AEW World Champion. Uh... A, a guy that has 30 years experience in the business and is still as relevant, if not more, today than he was back when he defeated The Rock in Austin in a night. It's a fantastic prospect. And it's also one of a few occasions in a, a little while where Jericho might actually be in a serious wrestling match rather than his uh, Stadium Stampede or the Mimosa Mayhem and all this other shit that he has done. Not discrediting Jericho. They're good ideas, but they're all so much comedy. And he is he is umpteenth times better when he is the pain maker 
Chris Jericho, the serious, I'm going to kick your ass for the fuck of it, and I don't care if you get back up after or not. And the just sinister look and everything that he then puts up with that, that's the Jericho that I appreciate. I love it when he pulls that one out of the bag. I don't think I'll see a Painmaker uh, this coming Sunday at full year. Not Sunday, Saturday, sorry. But that is the direction that I hope it will go. That the mar the match might start off goofy, uh, you know, in some sort of way. But then they get more and more serious as it comes into it. There might be, uh, as as the lingo goes, it might be a bit of color, uh, some serious grappling and wrestling, uh, to all in favor of making MJF. Not in the sense of like he has to work from underneath and all this. He can be, you know, put in a lot of the stuff that he did with Cody. Or just his general work uh, is what I'm hoping for. But I'm also very intrigued to see what exactly that match is going to end up being. It's uh, It's got all the earmarks of being the, the one to steal the show if FTR and Young Bucks don't do it in the final. And with that, I think I've actually... With that, I've actually shipped myself because my computer decided to freeze up at the hour mark of having recorded the episode I was about the, I was, I was tenths of seconds away from throwing my MacBook at the wall then and hoping the processor would die along with the rest of the computer but luckily the MacBook lives on for another day because my file didn't corrupt it was saved somewhere else I just had to find it luckily for the computer and in the meantime, I was about to thank you all for very much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to go ahead and leave it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your other uh, platforms of choice that might offer such a thing. Um, further than that, you can follow the show on at IGLWKE on Twitter. You can also find the bonus show, which is uh, at Drink to That Show. Uh, they'll be easy to find. There'll be, you know, signifiers that'll call it like it's an at Sigil Arts Media original in the description of the thing also. Uh, and we're looking into getting verified and things. So all in due time, it'll be simple enough to find the show. Uh, what else? There's obviously if you want to check out some of the merchandise that we do, it's through King Styles Apparel, uh, which you can find on kingsize.life/store. We got all the jackets, we got all the face masks, we got phone covers, we got t-shirts from all the various collections like the Clansmen Unite, the Failure Wear, the Creators of King Size Life. You got Statement. You have a brand new one for Sigil Arts in which you can find the just impeccable, uh, completely custom new jackets uh, for Sigil Arts, which I do recommend you check out. Literally stick in the bag and check out. That would be um, very much... Uh, what we would enjoy. And then in the meantime, I think I'll say as much as I'll catch your ass next week. Bye. Everybody knows me, I'm a regular. Say hello to Martha, she's the bartender. And if you spill that pitcher full of Budweiser, she go clean the carpet with the rug doctor. I swear they treat you. Like they